0: While you're listening to Ball Red Radio. My name is Matt West and tonight I'm joined by uh I'm restricted free agent, BFD. How are you doing tonight, man?
1: Yes, but I've got offers from fourteen different teams.
0: Fourteen.
1: Fourteen. So I might as well go full agent on this and just start unnecessary rumors, right? <laughs>
0: Uh, I think you should you sell yourself a little short. I think you have more than 14. <laughs> so many deals. Everybody loves me. I'm a, I'm a big star.
1: I can't remember who it was, but there was somebody who got cut and, like, they instantly turned around and said, Yeah, we've got five teams that have contacted us. And it's like, Yeah, more like negative five. So <laughs> I love the agent spin this time of year.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised there aren't, like, more agents on Twitter and social media, that sort of thing. Cause, like, we now have Twitter football doctors. We have, you know, be reporters and that sort of thing, but it betters and gamblers, but we don't have any sports agents, which is uh, kind of surprising.
1: Well, there's a couple of years ago, God, it was four or five years ago now that Tim Dobbins agent was on and I was ragging on him. That is his, uh, when Tim Dobbins didn't go to, it was like OTAs or so, it was something voluntary and he was only Texan not to go. And I yeah. was ragging on the agent that Tim Dob- that Dobbins was going to get cut because of it. And he was like, you're full of it. And yep. Dobbins got cut.
0: Good. <laughs> <think> you. Good. <laughs> We can't be doing things like that. Uh, so if you – yeah, because that was whenever he was building this house, like I Hard Chris, I think, at the same time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was fun. Oh, how, oh, how that the time goes. But, yeah, if you didn't know it, the Texans free agency is currently ongoing. Uh, the Texans have done some things. There are some things that they didn't do that we wanted them to do. They lost some players that we wanted them to lose and one that we kind of felt like we wanted them to keep. And so what we're going to do is just kind of go through what happened over the past two days in chronological order, which is kind of like a good recap of, uh, you know, what's happened so far and what we think will happen kind of going on in the future. So the first thing that happened was that Texans had four free agent defensive linemen uh, for this offseason. So Can I had,
1: preemptively start laughing as you talk about
0: that? <laughs> <laughs> so they had so Christian Covington, Brandon Dunn, Joel Heath, and I guess Brandon Dunn was a restricted free agent. Joel Heath, Antonio Blackson uh, was an unrestricted free agent. They were all kind of out there on the market, you know, floating around. And I guess, you know, Houston would sign one of them. If I had to pick one of them, what I said was I'd pick Angelo Blackson. I think he's the best of the bunch. But like it would be, you know, like a really short deal or whatever, just some sort of filler stuff. The Texans felt the same way, but they felt a lot more strongly about Angelo Blackson than anybody else in the world did. More than, their, more than Blackson's own mother, more than his entire family tree. Because the Texans gave Angelo Blackson a three-year contract for $12 million. And Angelo Blackson, you forgot last year, he had five quarterback hurries, two quarterback hits, one sack on 430 snaps. He had three passes defensed. And he played about a little bit less than half of the Texans' defensive snaps. So, BFD, why in the world did the Texans decide to give Angelo Blackson, of all people, $4 million a year?
1: It's absolutely befuddling. And to be fair... To be fair, in today's NFL, you know, three years, $12 million doesn't really mean that, you know, but it's still just even on paper, even in theory, in practice, especially, especially in any situation. This is why I mean, Angelo Blackson's the type of guy who is like literally a replacement level player and why you'd go out and give them this type of contract, even though if it's, you know, some of it's monopoly money. it's just silliness. It's just, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's super weird to me, mainly because he's, like you say, his replacement level. He's just a guy. I think the, the nicest thing I can say about Blackson is that in the run game, he isn't a negative, but he's not a positive. He's not in the backfield. He's not making a bunch of disruption. He's not, you know, completely stonewalling double teams. Like, he's fine. But the problem is that when you have a defense with a front seven consisting of J.J. Watt, Shadevion County, <laughs> Bernard McKinney, Zach Cunningham, a secondary that tackled really well last year. We'll see how they tackle this year. You don't need to pay for run defenders. A 3-4 defensive end who's decent against the run is absolutely worthless. He doesn't make your team any better. What the Texans needed was an interior pass rusher. And uh, those two like big names, Blake Jackson, Sheldon Richardson, are you know, gone to the other teams. And I, and I guess the biggest thing about it, like, I know, you know, he won't get the full $12 million. He'll still get 4 million this year though. And like that fraction, $4 million, that's, you know, that's half of the contract that it would take him to give Malik Jackson for a year at $10 million a year. That's, you know, about half of it would cost to bring Sheldon Richardson here, uh, maybe three more, three more million dollars. On top of that, you can get Muhammad Wilkerson in Houston. And so it's just more like the opportunity cost of paying him $4 million when You're a little bit more, you're pretty much removing a fraction that can go to somebody else. And so I I just don't get it, mainly because I don't see Blackson adding any value at all whatsoever. And I see him pretty much the same as I see Brandon Dine, Covington, and Heath. And so why he's given $12 million over three years, I I really don't get it. I don't understand it at all.
1: I'm sitting here, you know, during this podcast, and, you know, Matt and I see each other on video, and I'm just sitting here with my hands up, like the, you know, the stupid emoji, because I just don't get it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, let me preface this also by saying, like, I like what Houston's done so far in free agency in a lot of ways, but the one thing I, the one really dumb thing I think they've done is this re this Angelo Blackson thing, because smart teams don't do this like smart, like really the whole goal of free agency is you don't want to pay too much for, you know, bad to mediocre talent. And I feel like the Texans have done this, even though it's only $4 million a year, it's just kind of like more what it means overall, like the fraction and, the opportunity cost that comes along with paying you know a guy who doesn't provide anything of value this much money
1: yeah as we move on a little bit, but just think if you don't sign in Angelo Blackson for this money, you know maybe you take two million of this and you pay you know a year and then you can beat like you know the BESS signing Roger Saffold, yeah kind of thing that seems like a better allocation of that money that Angela Blackson got. That guy you can go pick up as UDFA is going to
0: offer you the same damn thing. Yeah. Well, and the other thing they did too is they re-signed Joel Heath for one year. They tendered Dunn. Nobody's going to you know try to sign Dunn as a restricted free agent or whatsoever. So they pretty much kept the same player, but for you know a million dollars each. I think I think Dunn's deal was for two million uh, with the tender that they gave him as well too. So it's like you already have these same guys. You have Carlos Watkins on the roster, the same sort of guy. Uh, and so paying for him, you know, really doesn't make any, any sense whatsoever. Um, the other move that they made on Monday, those guys, kind of, well, I guess they made a few other smaller moves on Monday. They re-signed DeAndre Carter for one year, $570,000. I thought Carter was a good emergency slot receiver. He also returned punts. He returned kicks. Uh, you know, like considering how starving they were for wide receiver help, I think Carter was more than good at that role. But like whenever it's week one and everybody's healthy and you have training camp, Uh, Is Carter, you know, a valuable part of this roster? I don't know. So are you okay now with the wide receiver position with Carter, Hopkins, Cutie, Vincent Smith, and Will Fuller? Or do you think this is still a spot the Texans need to address?
1: I think it's still a spot we need to address just because there's no way in Hades I would ever look at Will Fuller and say, I don't need a guy who's going to play 10 games and who's going to play 500 snaps backing him up. As far as DeAndre Carter, I really, that is silly. I really like this signing because, number one, he's he's just fine on special teams returning p- punts and kicks you know I, he's the type of guy you kind of you take that little bit of a risk you say hey i'm going to give you a little bit extra here's a little bit guaranteed i'm going to wrap you up for three years and that way you're i don't have to worry about somebody returning kicks and punts for me for three years i would have done that with him i would have t- given him a contract that has some guaranteed money money and not Angela blackson just because he's a guy who has a role fills it fills it more than adequately that's just my hot take
0: yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, I like Carter as well, too. He he caught, like, a lot of really good little drag routes. He was good in that Philly game. He was good against the Jets. Uh, and, you know, the Texans did have good ret- a good return team unit, you know, last year against him, both at punt returns and kick returns. And, you know, Carter filled in with Carter doing that. They don't have to worry about QD doing it. They don't have to worry about Fuller doing it. So, yeah, like, I like this pick, and they I like the sign that you have $570,000. So, yeah, good job, Brian game This is a good one. Uh, they also, in addition to tendering Dunn, they also tendered Kymie Fairbairn and they tendered uh, Brandon Scarlett as well too. So are you excited? Are you ready for 2019 more Brandon Scarlett PFF grades? Are you ready for it?
1: I can't withhold my enthusiasm. I hope it's coming across on the podcast as we speak.
0: I feel like I'm I'm driving a minivan right now and looking at you in the rearview mirror and you're just a bored teenager, you know?
1: Are we there yet?
0: Gah. Yeah. It's like a 10 minute drive to school and you don't want to be here. Come on. Yeah. So yeah, Brent Scarlett will be back here again and there's still going to be like, I'm so excited for August. Like Brent Scarlett's having a great camp. <laughs> this, is, this is the year he's going to break out. So he's, no, he's just, he's not even an average player. He's bad. And he doesn't do anything except for like play special teams and you know, it's fine. Keep him here. that's fine. I just uh, I just think it kind of depends on what else they do because Brandon Scarlett's not the answer without some linebacker position.
1: Brandon, Brandon Scarlett is the Lestar gene of wide res- of linebackers. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> Except like at least Lestar had like some preseason you know uh, snags out there, and he had, I think he had a star in his hair too. Maybe I just imagined that. I think I imagined that. But
1: yeah, but Scarlett had a 9.8 gigawatt PFF score in one game.
0: I, I think it was like 93.4 or something. <laughs> Whatever. My, my God, favorite, are we there yet? <laughs> my other favorite thing about uh, free agency so far. Well, one, I think free agency is really dumb because there's so much money and not enough really great talent out there. So a lot of these teams are overpaying for guys. And to just like the analysis, it's like, oh, this is an awful contract for Quan Alexander. He had a PFF grade 57. Well, I think, I think the issue isn't Quan Alexander. I think the issue here is that PFF, pro football focus grades, have no tie to reality and how teams think about things and how players are actually worth it all whatsoever, I think that's the bigger thing going on here i don't think the, it's because the 49ers made just a, a truly terrible or tremendously bad decision
1: yeah, but again, you know the numbers are coming out on his contract, and there's not much guaranteed yeah, so um, it's you know the NFL contracts today are the ones that are handed out on during free agency are not. Reality because the guaranteed numbers are important, but that's it. As for the rest of it, I think it's pretty trash.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like you're a guy for three years, pretty much. And I can see kind of the new CBA, they you have to pay. I guess see them making all guaranteed but no contracts like more than three years or something for certain guys. I don't know how they're gonna do it, but I think I think you're gonna see more guaranteed money, just shorter contracts. And it already kind of stuff up stuff like that, anyways. Um, and the Texans also signed a second round tender. To Academy fair baron, so like with this decision, BFD, do you think this is like a budgetary thing not to extend him, or do you see this more as like we're not fully confident in fair baron to be the kicker?
1: No, I I, I think this was a uh, I think that this, this was kind of a, a solid that they did for fair baron with the way that they tendered him because he's getting three million a year. They had the room. I know you're paying a kicker three million dollars a year. It's a little bit on the crazy side. But when you look across the league and you look at Fairbairn and his performance versus, I don't know, 75% of the rest of the kickers in the league, it's pretty solid. I like this kid a lot. I think it's a good move. I would, this is another guy I would move to sign up. Let's give him some long-term security, and and take a short-term hit because we've got the cap room now. I would definitely do that with Fairbairn, which I, again is a kicker. You don't really do this with a kicker. I wouldn't do it with a kicker, but he's young enough and he's been good enough to. And you look around the league and you look at the risk that teams take by signing, I don't know, Shane Graham yeah. and the problems that happen with that. And I'm going, okay, yeah, I'm going to give him that opportunity. I'm going to give him that guaranteed money to tie him up and he's mine. I don't have to worry about kicker for the next four or five years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the weird thing is like you know, Josh Lambo, Jacksonville signed like a four year, $13 million extension. And so like yeah, $3 million a year. I don't think it's a lot for kicker at all anymore. And, you know, he's automatic back from under 40 yards. The Texans are really good in kickoffs. He actually can kick the ball to the back of the end zone. And, like, I mean, I think anything greater than 50, you're not confident in him. I don't know this is one thing Houston's just trying to do here. They want to make sure he can do it for one more season before they give him, you know, three and a half million dollars every year for, you know, three years, four years, whatever. But, yeah, I'm glad that uh, Kaimi will be here again for another year.
1: Yeah. Hey, he's no Shane Graham. Yeah. No Chris Brown. I <laughs> <No. laughs>
0: Nobody, Shane Graham. Nobody's Chris Brown. Nobody's Randy. I can't believe Randy Bullock still kicks too. It's really unbelievable.
1: Shane Graham needs to acquire the seven-yard line to stay within his range.
0: And there's Nick Novak. Don't forget Nick Novak. Oh God. God. AA, AAF, Nick Novak. <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back, and we'll talk about the real big stuff, the real big things that happened over the past two days. And we're back. And so the the biggest thing that has really kind of happened this free agency period is that the safety market has just been absolute bonkers. Landon Collins, six years, eighty-four million with the Washington Redskins. Adrian Amos, four years thirty-seven million with the Green Bay Packers. Lamarcus Joyner, three years forty-two million dollars with Oakland. Eric Weddle, two years, ten and a half million dollars Los Angeles Rams. Kenny Vaccaro, four years twenty-six million dollars to Tennessee. Uh, and last offseason. Guys really struggled at the safety position to find contracts. Vicaro did, Tyron Matthew did, uh, Eric Reed did. And we know those were extenuating circumstances, too, regarding that. And even uh, Nash Meister commented, too, for a night. He said, Did every single GM just go on a bend there and forget that safety's been mad at all whatsoever? So, BFT, what, what happened with the safety position this year? Why have teams been so uh, willing to spend an exorbitant amount of monies, monies on the safety position?
1: I am, this is another case of me being befuddled uh, about what's going on. I think part of it is just, you know, we've talked about it already is that, you know, free agency with all the cap movements that went up, you know, we had the giant cap increase this year and we have, you know, the contracts today are, are so much more different that you have the upfront guaranteed money, but you can get off contracts easier. I think that's played a part of it. So you got guys that are being like heavily overpaid, but as just kind of de facto because it's free agency, but man, when you're giving Tyron Matthew three years and 42 million, you're drunk. I just don't get some of these contracts. And I think that when Lannick Collins signed that deal with Washington, I think that's what really broke the market. And so I think you saw what you're seeing is, is you're seeing the GMs panic and it's turning into like this weird trading places kind of movie thing where everything's panicking because they think that the, that orange juice is going to be, you know, the orange juice crop got ruined, but no, safety really. Safety is a, you need a good safety, but safety is a position that you can be fine at without having a landing Collins, landing Collins, and especially without having a Tyron Matthew on your team. And so, I think that's just drunken sailors on leave panicking.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think one thing is that these are all talented players. Uh, I came here last year where it's like, you know, Candy Vicar was coming off uh, you know a down you know another. I guess it was his best year since his other down years in New Orleans. You know, Eric Reed had everything else going on with him outside of football. football. Uh, Matthew's coming off, you know, his two ACL injuries was you know, pretty mediocre in Arizona the year before. I guess I would say I thought he was better than he was. I thought he was worse. I thought he was going to be better than he was last year. Uh, and I know he kind of like had some rough years kind of Arizona at the end there, but I I think part of it's that one, the talent was more. And also like, The cornerback market this year is bad. And so since the cornerback market's bad and you have teams that can spend money, they think, well, we'll just put a lot of money into the safety position. We'll shore up the center of the field and we'll make sure that our cornerbacks are only having to cover the sidelines. And we now have a safety who can, you know, take over the middle of the field and help out from there. And I think that was the idea here for it. And I also think too, just like how spread out uh, things are, there is going to be more of an importance on the safety position, like guys who can blitz tackle, cover because they can play you know four three or have seven in the box and just bring your safety down he can also cover tight ends that sort of thing and so i think you're gonna see a lot more like four two you know, nickel sets but really kind of a four three because your strong safety be there as your you know, off ball linebacker i think you know uh, collins can do that uh Vacar can do a little bit Weddle's already done it before uh i haven't watched if amos to have an opinion on him and you know tyler Matthew's has done this as well too so i think it's got kind of a combination of three things but even me saying that, that's me trying to uh, find the excuse for, you know, for the reason why I keep leaving the refrigerator door open, you know. I just do it. Like, I just messed up. And so I think this is just trying to trying to kind of piece things back together after the fact to provide a reason why it's been such a weird safety market.
1: Yeah, I can get Landon Collins getting that kind of money. I really can get that. I can get Eric Weddle. I think his, his contract is perfectly fair.
0: That was awesome for Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, considering his age, too but Kenny Carl getting that Adrian Amos, yay! a little bit more difficult to buy. Tyron Matthew, that's just LOL. Horrible.
0: Yeah. And uh, uh, the one thing I say about Amos too, real fast, is that anytime like a, a player on an all time great defense gets paid a lot of money to play somewhere else, I'm always skeptical. That's kind of why I was skeptical uh, about Aaron Colvin coming to Houston because playing slot corner with, A.J. Boye and Jalen Ramsey, and all-time great pass defense. is a lot easier than playing that same position in Houston. I know a lot of the problems was like, you know, his ankle and stuff, but he was bad in preseason even. So uh, that's one of the things that I'm kind of worried about with Amos. But, you know, it's about Tyron Matthew. So the Texans offer Tyron Matthew as much as $9.5 billion a year per reports, per sources, which just means like per Aaron Wilson. And the Kansas City Chiefs have given Tyron Matthew three years, $42 million. So, do you have a, an arrowhead tattoo above your lower back now? Are you a Kansas City Chiefs fan? Are you doing the tomahawk chalk in the shower and all that?
1: No, ma- baby, I still got a tram stamp. I'm sticking with that.
0: Yeah, it's an arrowhead now, right?
1: No. <laughs> oh, God. I could think up about four completely tasteless jokes, and I can't even say them on you the podcast so bad.
0: <laughs> I bet you could turn that, that tribal tram stamp and just put an arrowhead around it, you know? To celebrate the time the Chiefs going absolutely crazy and giving Matthew about $14 million a year.
1: I gotta admit, I, I looked at Tyron Matthew as kind of a litmus test for Brian Gain. And the, the litmus test is, and we had this great you and I, and Rivers and Brett, four pretty damn good football minds, especially mine, of course. God, talk about being the mental midget in the country not, giants
0: not not me at all whatsoever i'm a very dumb man
1: bs matt is much smarter than he sounds oh man that was that. i like that one that was nice anyway um but we had this huge back and forth about tyron matthew and about you know brett makes the claim that it's it's matthew is the one who brought the brought the defense together and that's why the defense got so much better and why the team started winning and i'm like No, it's because we played trash after the Colts. Nobody could throw the ball against us. And so it was this really great back and forth. When you have have some smart people in the room and you start making arguments, those are the best conversations you have as a human being. When you have your intelligence being questioned in a thoughtful, non-provocative way, that's when you have to be your best as far as making your argument, making your case, and that sort of thing. And that's what we had going on for... Man, a good solid 50-60 emails. I think that Tyron Matthew was successful as a Houston Texan because he was not... The the expectations put on him for most of the season from the opposition were extremely low. And when he was put in a situation where he had to succeed, whether that's covering Nelson Aguilar, whether that's covering Eric Ebron, he did not perform very well. Zach Ertz, he, he just simply did not perform well. Yes, he had moments where he was good, but Look at the personnel he was playing against the entire season. So now he's going to go to Kansas City where they've lost D4 Justin Houston, which means they've lost 22 sacks from last year. And it's no more Steven Nelson's there. Yet he'll be playing next to Eric Berry. But if you're expecting Tyron Matthew to go out and cover a tight end or cover a wide receiver, you're asking for a huge problem. Kansas City's not going to get to the quarterback. They're not going to cover guys. They're going to have to win games like. 500 to 465 next year and Tyron Matthew will be part of the problem because he does not have the supporting cast there anymore. And he's going, I think he's going to get Paris in Kansas city, big Matt.
0: Yeah. And you're paying $14 million a year too. And like with Matthew, you know, I mean, a lot of it too, like he's, he was mediocre last year in Houston. He could tackle pretty well. He could cover. Okay. Uh, you know, like he was fine. He was also kind of put in like a tougher situation than he he was also, I guess the better way to say it is that he was put in a in the situation Houston didn't want to put him in. He had to play a lot more slot corner and things like that, a lot more deep safety than they probably want him to because of the injuries to the cornerback position. But like that being said, he's not that much of a playmaker. Both of his interceptions came off, passes that went off running back's hands. He had four sacks. All four of those sacks were wide open rush lanes where he didn't have to beat a block, didn't have to do anything at all. He just ran forward and tackled the quarterback unless it was Blake Boyles who he was trying to you murder, but he was unable to. Uh, he, he wished, I, I mean, I've said this probably seven times, but he was dying and praying to make the plays that Justin Reed made all year. And he's like, he just didn't have that at all whatsoever. And so like, even like around like week nine, we're talking about Matthew and I said, I don't think the Texans are going to re-sign him. I think Brian Gaines smart. I think he won't do it. Uh, Brian Gaines wanted to sign him, but he didn't feel Matthew was worth more than $9.5 million. And, Thankfully, the Chiefs thought he was worth $14 million a year instead. And so, like, you know, I thought, I think Matthew's going to be better next year, wherever he goes, just because I think he'll be in a little bit better of a spot. Uh, if he has cornerbacks healthy in front of him, he can kind of play more of the game that, you know, better suits what he does. But, I mean, not even $9.5 million is too much, $14 million is too much. I think, you know, maybe six or seven uh, makes more sense for a mediocre player. Like, the Kenny Vaccaro deal is the type of thing I feel like, Matthew had been fine resigning for, but other than that, like I'm so glad the chiefs came in and did this. I'm so glad he's not playing for Houston for that contract. And like once again, like Matthew is a mediocre, but he tricks you into thinking he's great with all this talking and yapping and yelling and the play after he misses the tackle and gives him a potential on the screen pass. And so like, he also represents just kind of like the exact sort of people that, you know, just kind of like really annoying who are constantly jab brain, don't have the results at all.
1: Yeah, and taking that a step further, um, you know the the movie Basketball, the, the classic. I
0: love, I love it so much.
1: Trey Parker, Matt Stone is you know is kind of making fun of the Tyrone Matthew type of player, the one who, you know, that gives up the fifteen yard, you know, pass and makes a halfway decent tackle and gets up, separate, you know, celebrating, and the other team just converted a first down and the wide receiver is like, "Going, you hit me?"
0: Yeah, yeah. He's,
1: so that's what that's who Tyron Matthew reminds me of. It's he reminds me of who Stone and Parker were going after in that movie.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. And every time I see one there's like NFL celebrations now, I just think of the this week or the line dancing they did in U yeah. movie for Starts. I think of that every time. So uh yeah, it's a great I do I do need to watch that movie again sometime soon.
1: So so you know, just one more point I want to make about the Chiefs. This is they have one decent pass rusher now, Chris Jones.
0: Well, I guess D. Ford's franchise, so they still have him.
1: Oh, he just got traded.
0: Oh, really? How long ago was this?
1: Yeah, just it, he got traded to the 49ers for a second-round pick just <laughs> a few minutes ago, just before we went on. Okay. <laughs> so they got no pass rush. Their middle linebacker is still Anthony Hitchens, which is just lol. He's got to be one of the probably uh, the two well, or you know, three worst middle mics in the game.
0: I'll say this, though. Hitchens was awesome against New England last year. Like he had a, a great game. Go back go back and watch the watch the film. Watch the film. It was one game. I know, but Hitchens was awesome against New England. The bigger problem they have at inside linebacker is Reggie Raglan. Raglan's oh, slow. Yeah. He doesn't tackle well. Like Hitchens can at least like he at least he can tackle when he's physical. But yeah, he, I can't let you besmirch him. He was awesome against New England last year.
1: And Reggie Ragland is the second best linebacker on the team.
0: Yeah, that's better.
1: Um, and then your cornerbacks are now Kendall Fuller. Charverius Ward and Tremon Smith.
0: No, I know. I don't know who, who the last two guys are.
1: Uh, Ward, I do know. Uh, Smith, I do not. But that is just a crap fest on defense.
0: <laughs> you, have, you have Drew Sorensen, who's your, you know, your third safety. And he played well against England last year as well, too. And it's, not, I don't, it's like Matthew puts him over the top. I don't understand because the Chiefs still had the worst run defense in football last year. They had the worst run defense in football the year before. And paying forty million dollars to Matthew, and it could go to like you know three players for four million dollars a year, who could actually you know stop the run a little bit, I think, have been a better use of resources. They could have signed Angela Blackson. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> They probably should have signed Angela Blackson then. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't get it at all. I really don't know what they're trying to do. But I think, like I said, I think Matthew would be better. But I think it's a completely disastrous signing, and it was an awful decision by Kansas City. And thank God for Kansas City. Yes. Uh, and but for Houston, would you have been okay if the Texans did sign Matthew for you know twenty-nine million dollars over three years?
1: I, I would have seen it as a waste. I, again, yeah. you know, I've said it multiple times. What does Tyron Matthew bring that well, okay, so the caveat was is that we were signed Kareem Jackson and I didn't see that I didn't see Denver going full drunk and sail on him. But you know, with the assumption, but even with Andre Andre Howe and Justin Reed. Tyron Matthew is still your third best safety on the team. I mean, yeah. Hal plays better center field. Reed, they're—it seems to be they're considering him an in-the-box kind of guy. I have to tip the rivers for that one, even though I, I don't agree with that remotely. But I would rather have Justin Reed and Andre Hal out there than Tyron Matthew. So you're looking—you're paying your third safety, the third best safety on your roster, $9.5 dollars.
0: Yeah, I would say Matthews is better than Hal, but like Hal at least is really good at one thing, and Matthew isn't. Whereas like Hal can play center field, he can run from the center field to the sideline, and Matthew can't do them. Like that was kind of my thing too. It's like with, at least with you know, Reed's a better all-around player, Hal can do this one thing and Jackson can do this one thing. I'd rather have Reed where maybe Matthew him redundant, and then have two guys who have specific skill sets that keep Matthew around. And that brings us it brings us to Cream Jackson. Now, Jackson signed a three year deal for thirty three million dollars. He's guaranteed twenty three million dollars to the Denver Broncos. Uh, It sounds like the Broncos are are trying to play that cornerback, which is weird. I think he's going to be a safety. One of the other things I've enjoyed on Twitter since I've been online, you know, all week with the free agency stuff is all these, all this information. Yeah. Like he's bad at, he's bad at cornerback. He needs to play safety in Denver. And yeah, we've been saying this for, you know, four years now. We understand this. We got it. We got it over here. Uh, But it sounds like the Texans didn't even offer Jackson a contract. They didn't even contact him at all whatsoever. Uh, So why do you think Houston was Allen Jackson didn't really make him an offer or uh, want him to keep him back at all?
1: Um, My guess is, is that, so what we don't know is we don't know if he was actually offered by the Texans Uh, there again, there are a lot of things we don't know, but I think the second that the Texans might've gotten a win that somebody was offering Jackson 23 million guarantee and three, Uh, 33 over three years he's again he's a safety but he's an in-the-box safety at this point of his career you want him facing a lot of scrimmage this is he's a you know it goes back to kareem jackson's better in the box safety than tyron matthew andre house a better center fielder Justin Reed's better in all facets kind of thing but i was really hoping we would keep him but if the if the broncos are expecting kareem jackson who is 31 years old the number of cornerbacks who are effective over the age of 30, you can almost count on two hands over the last 30 years. So that is just silliness squared. I, I hope that, nah, I don't care what Denver does play my cornerback. See what happens. Good luck. Yeah. He's and,
0: like, and he's been bad cornerback for probably four years now. Three or too. four years. Uh, and like his, it's just his feet are terrible. Like he, he wastes so many steps whenever he's in a uh, man coverage, but I think whenever they finally move him to safety, I think he's going to be. I think he's gonna be pretty awesome in Denver. Uh, I think he just like fits that team and fits that culture and fits like that pass defense that's always really good every year. Uh, so I'm excited for him there. I'm glad he got paid. I wouldn't have given him as much money as he got. I thought if you were giving him, you know, three years, twenty-one million dollars, I think that would be a fine contract. But uh, you know, I, just for what he was worth, I'm, I'm glad he's to keep him around either. I'll really, really miss uh, Kareem Jackson. I'll miss watching him tackle. And uh, it's been really fun to watch him go from like all time terrible rookie cornerback to, you know, uh, more than like a solid player. But he's been, he's been a really good player for, you know, a while now. And it, it sucks that Houston moved him to safety sooner and they get a chance to extend him, get more life out of him uh, while he was playing here, too.
1: Yeah, and here's the catch right now, this is the cornerback depth, depth chart for the Broncos. Chris Harris the best slot cornerback in the game, slot cornerback, Kareem Jackson, Craig Mager, and Isaac Eon, E. Autumn.
0: Sounds I, good. I, <laughs> sounds good, John. I just,
1: I just can't even. I, I, Denver better have a plan at cornerback because if that's, that is their plan, they are screwed. <laughs>
0: Well, and it's weird, too, because, like, last year, they didn't have the best cornerback play, but they still had, you know, like, a top-seven pass defense again. Uh, they had top-ten defense last year, too. And, I mean, just with the pass rush, they're able to get Von Miller and, and Chubb. Uh, and their, their run defense has gotten better, too, over the years also. But, yeah, like, I don't know, I don't know if they're going to do a cornerback at all this year. And it's weird. It's kind of it's weird what they've done, too. They're one of the stranger teams this offseason.
1: John Elway doesn't have a clue.
0: Yeah, well, it's also weird whenever you think about him and Gettleman and the moves they've made this offseason, and they were they constructed Super Bowl teams. like they, went, they played each other in the Super Bowl three years ago. And so I don't know if the game has changed or if they've gotten old and seen now or what happened in, uh, in, the, in the past three years for them to completely lose their minds. I don't know if the game's different or, or what happened there, but it's kind of funny that just like three years later, they're completely just mucus brains, you know?
1: Sometimes you get lucky.
0: Yeah, so the, the Texans finally did something today. They signed Tayshaun Gibson for three years, $22 million. Uh, so do you like the signing? Where do you think he fits on this defense?
1: Um, so he's basically – we signed him to play center field over Andre Howell, basically is what we did. Uh, I was when, – when the Jaguars signed him in 2016, so let's keep the dates here going – I was excited for the, for the Jaguars because Tayshawn Gibson was coming from the Browns. He was, a, he's, he was a good young football player. He was 26 years old. He had had a nice career arc to that point in time. When he got to Jacksonville, he wasn't quite as good. Now, he's been fine. He's, he's been average, maybe slightly above for the Jaguars. He'll be pretty decent for us in, in 2019. But there are two problems. Number one, he plays this year at 29, or at, at 29 years old. So he's, we're already starting to bump the 30. Yes, again, I'm ageist. Thirty years old, bad news in the you NFL. Hate,
0: you hate thirty-year-olds so much in football. I, totally, but you totally. hate it so much. <laughs>
1: totally, it's it's like Branch Rick used to say, "You trade a, year, a guy a year too early rather than a year too late." Yeah, this thing applies to thirty-year-olds in football. So, um, I think he's a nice signing, especially three years for twenty-two. When we're seeing Tyron Matthew and Kareem Jackson get those that kind of money, it's fine but he'll play center for us. Andre Howell's our third safety, so uh, I, I like what he brings as a skill set to the team a lot more than what Tyron Matthew brings. He's going to do a much better job against tight ends. He's going to do a much better job when he's forced to play uh, nickel cornerback, so I do like it from that aspect, definitely. Yeah. The only problem i got with this is we're three years too late signing him.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fine for the deal he signed for. They didn't want to play Andre Howell every spot. I'm like, they need to have three safeties considering Reed's age and Hal's uh, health and Hal's inability to you know, tackle all that well too. And like Romeo Cornell really likes to play three safeties too. And, you know, I mean, Gibson was a good player in Jacksonville. Again, he's playing on an all-time great pass defense with corners that are A.J. Boye and Jalen Ramsey. He played a lot of center field and cover three formations. Uh, the Jaguars played a lot of cover four last year too, which didn't make any sense. And they got torched a lot because of it. I don't think it was Gibson's fault. I think it was more their strong safety and more of a, kind of what happened over AJ Boyd got hurt too. So I think they're looking mainly at Gibson's the guys that can plug in, who can play cover three who can cover can and play cover four. I don't see the Texans playing a lot of man this year. I think they're going to play a lot more zone coverage and those sorts of things uh, just because of the cornerback talent they have too. So, but yeah, I like, the, I like the signing. I think it's fine. I think it's good. Uh, I think Gibson's a guy who is, you know, a good player and this is a, a fine contract for a good player. And I'm glad they signed Tayshon Gibson for three years, $22 million instead of Tyron Matthew for, you know, three years, $30 million, whatever it would have been.
1: Yeah. I would take, I mean, if you're talking, would you trade Tayshon Gibson for Tyron Matthew? That'd be like, Oh yeah. Give me Gibson. He's mine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think, that, I think that worked out well. And the other move that today they made was they signed Bradley Roby for one year, $10 million on so a deal. After the Broncos, Kareem Jackson, Roby, Roby pretty much said the same thing Jackson said after he made a sign that the team that he previously played for didn't contact him, didn't really offer me anything at all. I never really, re- really, reached out. There was zero negotiation. So I don't know a ton about Roby mainly because I didn't watch the Broncos anymore after they lost the Cleveland Browns. And watching condensed versions of games, it's hard to tell which quarterbacks are good, which ones are bad. But uh, I have Football Outsiders advanced charting stats here. So, these are quarterbacks that are, uh, that you meet a minimum threshold of targets, snaps, and that sort of thing. And this is out of 85 cornerbacks. So, he, had 70, he faced 78 targets last year. He gave up 10.3 yards of pass, which is 82nd. He had a success rate of 46%, which was 68th. His average target against him traveled with 12 yards in the air, which is, 40, which is 49th. He averaged uh, a little bit more than three yards after the catch, which is 81st. This is out of 85 cornerbacks. So Roby, you know, all the, these are like the best numbers you can get for cornerback play. Uh, not good. These are bad numbers. This is a, a bad uh, thing from Roby. And so like, so what do you think about the siding? Did you did you like this one? Are you fine with Roby at one year, $10 million? Do you have any concerns at all? Uh, and do you f- how do you feel about the cornerback position today? Do you feel Kansas City level bad? Do you feel Denver Broncos level bad? What, how are you feeling right now? Open up that heart for me.
1: Oh sure, yeah. I never do that on the show, do I? <laughs> um, so Roby, I, I, again, I just want to go back to when you when you deal with people smarter than you, that's how you become smarter. And one of these days, I will become smarter. But one of the things that I've got been throwing out there is that we just need to carpet bomb cornerbacks, sign them all. Don't care. Well, the way the contracts are set up today sign every cornerback on the market, let them fight it out, and cut the rest. And that seems to be kind of what the plan for Bradley Roby was for us because the, the fact is is he's alive, and he's not sure he's right.
0: And he's so 26 you, years old, too.
1: <laughs> he's, he's 26 years old, former first-rounder, so maybe we bring him in and we can improve him, but this is the type of guy you have to take a chance on. What I don't like is I, I don't like when your contract's just de facto, just really kind of hate them because that means you have absolutely no faith in what you're doing. I get the the concept of one year contracts, but we signed Tyron Matthew to one year contract. He played for six and a half million and then fled for whatever, 8.6 billion the next year. So it, it's, it's, it's a fine signing. It also shows you have absolutely no faith in home. And I, I don't like kind of that give and take aspect of it. Um, I am surprised that he signed a contract like that. And I still think that anybody's an upgrade over Sharice Wright. Uh, My dog has better ball skills, and I swear to God, you could throw him a hot dog and he'd miss it by five feet. (laughs) So, um, you know, we have not adequately addressed the biggest problem on the team. Signing Tayshawn Gibson is great. We haven't signed an offensive lineman we signed one cornerback and we have two, three open spots at cornerback.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I just, I kind of tried that One of the few standards I have in my life as a man with zero morals at all whatsoever is that whenever I don't know something, I try not to speak on it. Instead of Roby, like I definitely need to watch a video on him. Uh, you know, I've watched enough Jaguars games. I've watched enough Jaguars video to, you know, can safely say Gibson's a fine player. He's a good player. Uh, it's not like signing Earl Thomas or anything like that. And like Roby, like, I just don't know enough about him, but you know, the numbers are bad. But like me, me saying that, like I'm excited to watch him and kind of learn more about him. But uh, it's a, it's this type of contract you want to sign for a guy, you know, who's young, who's a former first round pick that has the pedigree. It's kind of like signing a healthy version of Kevin Johnson in a way where you're taking a chance on a first round for a first round pick who started, who's played some. Uh, and when you're $10 million, you know, really isn't bad at all. Especially when you look at the cornerback market, how there's not a lot of good ones. He's one of the best ones out there. And so you're signing into a deal with zero risk for the future, and, uh, and again, ten million dollars is isn't that bad this year, especially for a team with a lot of cap space like Houston has.
1: Yes, and we should be again. We should be signing all the cornerbacks.
0: Yeah, I like, like the idea. I like I, the idea. I like the idea that you have with that.
1: Just sign them all. Let them fight it out, and then you keep the best ones. Because I have no faith in Aaron Colvin at this point in time. Jonathan Joseph applied for uh, Medicare last week.
0: What about Social Security? <laughs> I, he's probably three years off for that. <laughs> right? He can almost um, get $7 dollars lou and Platters for movies <laughs> on Sunday. Oh, God. He we have help, a
1: Luby's reference.
0: He's close enough. He's, like, right there in the, in the mirror in front of him. He can see that National Park Senior Pass for only $35 for the rest of his life to him for free.
1: Oh, my God. And the news comes across Earl Thomas is feeling – or. The Browns are feeling good about signing Earl Thomas. Good. Imagine that team now. I am seriously, I'm gonna go buy a Baker Mayfield jersey. I cannot believe I'm saying that.
0: Yeah, I do need to get Josh Allen shirt seat. uh, too. So let's let's take one more break and then we come back before we get too far into the cornerbacks that we like and stuff. That's one of the things that I want to discuss here to to end off tonight's show. (laughs) All right. And we're back. So the, I got two more things that I want to talk about tonight with you, and then we'll we'll separate our paths like uh like the roots at the bottom of the tree, and go do other things. So the first question I have is that there's a lot of guys out there that we liked for the Houston Texans, especially a team with 72 million dollars entering this offseason, season, and there's a lot of guys that they didn't sign that now have new homes. They're moving to new cities. The moving trucks are crisscrossing across the country, and they're not going to Houston. So. Which signings hurt your feelings the most uh, that the Texans didn't go out there and get instead?
1: I will just be flat out honest and say Kareem Jackson is the one that hurts the most. Yeah, because I I really think even at thirty one, with his skill set, his tackling ability, his ability to to get to the quarterback, we never took advantage of what his true skill set was, and I feel like the Texans really wasted his career.
0: Yeah, I think that I think that Denver game last year too is probably the best example of like what he can do as a safety. Like he was awesome that game with his run tackling, his run blitzing, uh, his pass blitzing. Like that's that's what you're you're hoping for for Denver.
1: Yeah, I, he he's a terrible cornerback and an elite safety, which is just not normal.
0: Yeah, I saw I saw a tweet today also from someone in Denver that was like. Oh, with the by signing Kareem Jackson, the Denver Broncos have two top five corners uh according to pro football focus grade. So like what, what are we even doing here anymore, man? Like what it, what are we even doing at all?
1: Um, the other two that hurt I made the reference earlier. Roger Saffold. I mean he's old. I get it.
0: He's only twenty nine. He's a guard. Like yeah, thirty so years old isn't better. yeah, thirty years old isn't old for a guard though. I
1: thought he was thirty or thirty one. 29?
0: Um, he may be 30 by the time the season starts.
1: Okay, maybe that's my...
0: J.J. Watt's may be 30 by the time the season starts too, I think.
1: Yeah, he's... Uh, no, uh, Saffold plays this year at 31. Okay. So, with the guard, that's okay. You're going to get three or four more years out of him. But the prob- the big problem for me is is where he signed. And he signed
0: tying up to be...
1: And so, they've got a huge upgrade on their offensive line now. That we could have had on our offense, our offensive line, and it's because we wouldn't go beyond uh, what he signed for. It's twenty-two and a half guaranteed. I can't remember what it was, but it was a doable contract. Yeah. I mean, even in free agency, it was a contract that we should have met. We should have been all in on signing a guard. The other one is again. Props to Rivers. Is uh, Matt Paradise? Paradise. Get, like, it's time I to paradise, retire. It's, it's time to retire, Nick Martin. He, it's time to to kind of shove off and do away with that. And and say, signing him, Paradis would have done a lot for the team. So we didn't address the offensive line in any meaningful way, which is fine-ish at left tackle because nobody – I don't think anybody could have stepped in and done much better. Juwan James is a nightmare – or is a – I'm He's sorry, gone. is a dream. It's not going to happen. Just get it out of your heads. But Saffold, Paradis – is it Paradise or paradise?
0: I like Paradise more. It reminds me of Foxing.
1: Yeah, but there's no E at the end, so it doesn't make the eye long.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's probably paradise, but I like Paradise more.
1: All right. But we could have shored up the interior, and we didn't, of the offensive line. And then, of course, the cornerbacks, Ronald Darby's still out there, and we should be throwing – we should just be backing up the dump truck full of cash.
0: Hey, hey, we're, not, we're not there yet, all right? We'll get there in a second. Oh, we'll sh- talk about the players we want. We're almost sh- there. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I, I'm really bummed out about the about the Roger Saffold thing because he's one of the five best outside zone blocking guards in football. Like, you w- go watch that Los Angeles Dallas game against one of the you know top ten run defenses out there in that playoff game last year, and Saffold was unbelievable. Like every single block that you need to make for a guard in the outside zone, he makes all of it. He reaches the in- outside shoulder. He can cut players from the backside. He can get to the second level. He like knows how to time his blocks and you know how to flow to the next level and all of that sort of stuff. And I mean, he's unbelievable. And so like, if you're running the outside zone, that's what you want. And he's more than a good enough pass blocker. No one really hurt. And kind of the weird thing too, for, you know, what we've seen this off season, it seems like the Texans have like a number for all these guys out there. And if the number is greater than this, they're not doing it, but they're going to stick to their number. And so I don't know if this like an analytics things that, that the Houston Texans have now, where they have some sort of formula that they're grading out these guys, or they just say, hey, we're not doing more than $9 million a year for this guy, and that's it, and this is our final offer. And the Titans just outmatched Houston in this case. And also, this is a Titans team that doesn't have as much cap space as Houston, could, would have lost a bidding war to many ways, and it didn't matter. But yeah, I mean, I would have loved Saffold, left guard. You would have gotten who's, you'd be a fine uh, third guard there, you know, is a good, you know, fine backup guy, whatever. And uh, you could assure that you, you would have finally had an offensive lineman. who could block the second level. Uh, Paradis is similar kind of like with Saffold where he blocks the second level really well. I mean, I think, I think the thing about Martin is that Martin's not going to be a good guard. So if you don't like Martin at center, just don't play him at all. Because he's not a good run blocker. He doesn't block the second level well. Moving him to guard is not going to help him at all whatsoever. It's it's a worse position for him. You either play him at center or you don't play him at all. And so if you wanted to move on from completely, you know, Paradis signed a very reasonable contract with Carolina for, you know, one of the, you know, seven best centers out there too. So I would say I'm fine with doing Martin for one more year. If he can learn how to block the second level, he's a fine pass blocker. And like, you know, he's, he was talented coming out of college. Uh, He has pedigree there. And like, I don't know, maybe Mike Devlin can teach one of his players how to do something well. And, uh, but yeah, the Saffle one hurts, hurts me the most. The second one that hurts too is the Sheldon Richardson signing because the Texans do need an interior pass rusher. Instead, they sign Angela Blackson. And look at who's available. Muhammad Wilkerson is the last guy available. Muhammad Wilkerson doesn't like playing football sometimes. It's like, do you want to pay Wilkerson $9 million a year to maybe or maybe not play football? And so it looks like they're not going to do anything at interior. That was what I felt the biggest need they had on their defense was interior pass rusher. Their rush was all bought. It was all clowny. Uh, Nobody else gave rush rushed aside from them. And with the quarterback position being the way it is in free agency, the only way to have a competent pass defense not face the same issues you had last year was to have a, a, like a top two pass rush or top three pass rush. And that doesn't look like it's going to happen all either. So yeah, the Sheldon Richardson one really hurts. The Saffold one really hurts and uh, everything else, you know, is whatever. And I learned this lesson every, you know, probably at least like once every four months, usually during free agency. And it's that the things that I want, I, I want whenever it comes to sports don't happen. It turns out my opinion doesn't matter. Our opinion doesn't matter. Our feelings don't matter. And uh, the Texans are just going to do what they're going to do. But yeah, those two, those two, all that lust I have my heart for those two guys, is uh, dried up and withered, like, you know, just a raisin.
1: Like my soul. Yes, I was on mute because I was typing and I didn't want to bother you.
0: Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, it was nice to listen locally. That's what I should write. You know, whenever I say something like that, I'm like, yeah, I just need to write that out. Yeah. Um, so the, the, last, the last question I have for you tonight is free agency isn't over yet. Tomorrow actually starts the official, official list of free agency. <laughs> the free agency actually officially begins tomorrow. So, who are some players out there you hope Houston takes a shot at now that free agency officially starts tomorrow? <laughs>
1: That's such a, uh, an interesting question, especially with all that we've talked about. Ronald Darby is a guy who I'd absolutely take a risk on, and and I'll say it again: I said it a couple weeks ago, Jason Verrett. Uh, you got you got to take risks to be successful, and I think both of those guys are both coming off major injuries. You don't know how they're going to perform. Ronald Darby's going to have—he's going to get a lot of money because he was—he's 26 and he was playing some decent ball. I think Jason Verrett has played great ball when he's healthy. Yeah, you got to take risk. I would absolutely go after both those guys.
0: Yeah, and Verrett—if you play a lot of zone coverage too, like he's a—he's a good zone coverage corner. Uh, so you want some some secret football for Ronald Darby stats? Are you ready?
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm so excited. You—you—I can't even show you my nipples.
0: Ooh, I can see him through that shirt because of how side you are. So this, you know, this is also meeting you know, the filter of the minimum players played, uh, or like minimum plays played, kind of like how uh, Bradley Ruby was. So out of 85 quarterbacks, are you ready? Ronald Darby, 65 targets. He allowed six yards of pass, which was 11th. He started nine games last year. He had success rate of 57%, which is 19th. His average pass against him traveled 11.9 yards, which is 50th. His yards after the catch was 0.8, which was third. So before he was injured, you know, according to the numbers, he was a top 10 cornerback, fringe top 10 cornerback. And this is also playing on, you know, one of the best defensive lines out there uh, in a situation on a defense where he just plays man coverage on the outside. And he also has Malcolm Jenkins and the you know, other plays around him. But uh, yeah, you know, Darby is kind of like the guy for me right now too. And it's mainly also because I love the idea of having Darby and Roby on the outside. So I don't think I'm confused though anymore. I can, <laughs> Iron that part down. I know. We got Darby. We got Roby. Uh, that's a good quarterback combo, like the way it sounds. And so, yeah, like I would, I would love that they could do, you know, maybe some two-year contract with a lot of big money for it. Uh, and who knows, because of his injury he had last year and the Eagles don't have the money to you know, pay him, especially after the, the way their young quarterback son came on to him last year also.
1: Yeah, and I would like to, uh, since we both got that in, uh, Texan has a question for us. I would like to address it. That's cool. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So, Texan always with the wisdom drop. Just a new ass in the chair. Nothing more so far. What do you say, BFD? But I'm going to toss that to you first, Big Matt. What do you say about Brian Gain versus Rick Smith?
0: Uh, I don't know. I think Brian Gain is, like, less <laughs> – I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Like, Brian Gain's, like – like pretty much like an NFL rider with the way he thinks about free agency where you don't want to pay too much for mediocre players. You want to, you know, not go all in on free agency. You want to through the draft or whatever, that sort of thing. And so, I mean, I think until we see Brian game with like his first full draft, you know, a first round pick and his two second round picks, it's hard to say. And uh, I don't know, I think it's too early, really to compare the two. I will always say that, you know, Rick Smith is like a pop singer who comes out with like three really big hits on an album like nine just awful, terrible songs.
1: Yeah. And I will say, you know, my take, I've already kind of given it, was that Tyron Matthew was a litmus test of sorts for me. And I feel like he failed um, in some ways, but in some ways he also passed because he didn't sign him for $14 million a year.
0: Good job. Yeah. I, I yeah. want that job. I want the job where it's like, hey, you did a great job. You didn't give Tyron Matthew $14 million a year. I want that job.
1: It's kind of pathetic, isn't it? Ugh. Anyway, that's my hot take on it. Is at least he didn't screw that up.
0: Yeah, and I think I, I like the the offseason he had last year a lot, considering the resources Houston had. Uh, I'm I'm enjoying what he's doing so far this year. I do wish, like you know, he actually spent some money on those two positions, and I think it's kind of shortchanging Houston in some ways. But it's still it's still long. There's still a lot more time. I uh, to go and sign guys, and also Ron Darby tore his ACL last year in November too. And so that's what he's coming off of. So I think he's, I think he's probably gonna sign a deal kind of similar to I've read we did like a one-year deal or maybe even a two-year deal.
1: The way it's sounding, it sounds like he's going to get a lot more than that for a lot longer. Yeah.
0: Well, all right. Well, that's what happens. That's what happens. Um, Some other guys I like too. I like Stefan Wisniewski to play, you know, left guard. He's better than Mente. He was really good on that Eagle Super Bowl run. I know he had some problems last year and he's, you know, 31, he got benched. He had some injuries last year. And uh, this side, goes to Amalo instead of Philadelphia. But like, I mean, the guy made some like transcendent blocks. Like he, in that Falcons playoff game, he blocked, you know, four guys on a screen pass and sprung for 65 yards and doing you know, things like that. And like, I think locking down that left guard spot will do, you know, make a, a tremendous impact for, you know, both tackles too. Uh, I like Shaq Bear as an edge rusher. I think he's the best edge rusher available. And the way that Houston was playing Winnie merciless last year, they need a speed rush guy, a speed and rip guy. Merciless isn't that. I think Shaq Barrett can do that job. We talked about Ronald Derby already, but the one kind of like Easter egg, like cute kind of guy I like to see is maybe Mark Ingram. They could give him for one year for like 6 million or so because he's a talented pass catcher. He can actually break tackles. He's a good red zone running back as well too. And he can do a lot of different things. And so, you're looking at a team that has always struggled to break tackles. Uh, you know, Ingram has done this before. And so I think more importantly, it's blocking the second level, but it doesn't look like he's be able to do that well. So those are the, the four guys I like, Ingram, Wisniewski, Baird, and Darby as we go into free agency tomorrow.
1: And it's just really hard to believe that Alfred Blue <laughs> hasn't already signed. <laughs> isn't hey, that he shocking? Doesn't,
0: he doesn't fumble, and that's good for at least $4 million nowadays. Holy crap.
1: I, I still can't believe there are Alfred Alfred Blue defenders out there. It's like, how bad does a player have to be so that you don't defend him? Yeah. And Alfred Blue is the litmus. Lit, oh, that's it. Litmus test for that. I'm done. I'm tired.
0: Yeah. No, I, I like that a lot. Uh, I I am hoping for Alfred Blue to play for the San Antonio Defenders in 2020, so I can send you a starter jersey
1: next year. Oh my God. I don't think he's capable of that. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, uh, well, that was fun tomorrow for agency begins. Officially we'll have the tracker up there. We'll be trying to update it as we work our shifts at the factory. Uh, you know, suck on the teeth of the man that, that keeps us alive. And, uh, we'll update
1: my stuff. Self? Oh my God. Yeah. That yeah, dirty. You're,
0: you're such a lucky boy. And we'll be, <laughs> we'll be doing that tomorrow and I'll try to write something else and we'll do some more podcasts and I'll watch some Derby film and yeah, we'll keep the off season rolling. And, uh, It was fun talking to you about free agency and IBFD. We'll be back on next week sometime. And my name is Matt Weston. Thank you for listening to My red Radio.